All right, good morning. Praise the Lord. If you would, turn in your Bibles to Psalm 68. Psalm 68. Now before I read this, I want to give you a little bit of a setup to what David is talking about here. This is traditionally believed to be the psalm where David is bringing the ark into Jerusalem and he's just celebrating God so much. Uh, How many remember that his wife was looking through a window and said, you look ridiculous? Uh, She was ashamed that he was celebrating God so much. And so this psalm is one of those psalms that is attributed to David as he's entering Jerusalem and acting so foolishly because he loves God so much. So let's read it together. It says, rise up. In fact, I'm going to read this from the New Living Translation just because I love the way they write it in a very understandable language. So it says, rise up, O God, and scatter your enemies. Let those who hate God run for their lives. Blow them away like smoke. Melt them like in a fire. Let the wicked perish in the presence of God, but let the godly rejoice. Let God Let them be glad in God's presence. Let them be filled with joy. Sing praises to God and to his name. Sing loud praises to him who rides the clouds. His name is the Lord. Rejoice in his presence. You are the father to the fatherless, the defender of widows. This is God whose dwelling is holy. God places the lonely people in families and he sets the prisoners free and gives them joy. Hallelujah. Do you see how much David admires his father? (laughs) That's what we're going to preach about this morning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you so much, Lord, and we celebrate you. And uh, Father, I just thank you for the spirit that David has about his dad. And uh, Lord, I just pray that we would um, tap into that, Lord, and we would understand uh, how great you are, Lord. In uh, your name we pray, Lord Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Hallelujah. Um, David is one that, um, if you hear me preach a lot, you'll realize that I admire David uh, tremendously. I just love his background. Uh, he was grew up in a very obscure family. I talked about it last week and uh, just was kind of what you would consider uh, nobody. You know, he sat around uh, tending sheep. Uh, he was the one that his dad really didn't want to bring out, you know, to be a uh, possible one to be anointed by the prophet. Um, David really doesn't become king until, you know, later in his life. And uh, he doesn't have a royal background at all. God just chooses him because he loves David's heart. There's something about David that God just really loves. And I think that's what stands out on the pages is what is it that God loved about David. And uh, this psalm really, um, I think, captures a lot of what David Uh, God loved about David. How many want to know what God loved about David? He said, David is a man after my own heart. And uh, this is a glimpse into David's heart. And um, I don't know that they, I can't remember. In fact, I was trying to think this morning without actually searching and trying to find. But I can't remember other times that David talked about his dad, Jesse. And I was trying to think in my mind where times were that David talked about his dad. And I don't know why that is. Uh, I know David was the youngest of the family, and his dad probably had him really late in life. And so I would imagine, just speculating here, that maybe Jesse wasn't around as David grew up. But you don't see a whole lot about David talking about his dad. 
But boy, David gushes about his heavenly father. And in this psalm, he just can't contain himself. In fact, you want to know why David was acting so foolishly. In fact, like I said, his wife um, was watching him dance foolishly before the Lord as the Ark of the Covenant was coming into town. David was going to set up a tent that was specially dedicated to his father his heavenly father, and he wanted to put the ark in there, and the presence of God was in there for 40 years. I mean, no, David spent a fortune to have 24-7 worship music in there. He hired the greatest musicians in the country, and the nations from all the nations of the world came under that tent and worshiped his father. How many know that? And so David loved his father, and as you look at this psalm, um, how many have ever uh, seen a child... And they talk and they gush about their dad. And they're like, my dad can whip your dad. How many have ever heard that conversation? And here's David and he is proud of his dad. He says, rise up, O God, scatter your enemies. That means that uh, nobody can stand in front of my father. You know how important that is to... Admire your father that much that it's like nothing can stand in front of my father. Hallelujah. Let those who hate him, and this is why I like the New Living Translation, says let them run for their lives. (laughs) That means my dad is so great that nobody can stand in front of him. Hallelujah. How many believe that? How many gush about your father? Hallelujah. How many gush about your heavenly father? I might be the only one. And God wants us to fall in love with our heavenly father. You know, and as a father, can I tell you something? If my children ever can fall so in love with God that they don't need me anymore, I've done my job. And that's what this message is about. In fact, I've I've titled this message, What I Learned from My Heavenly Father. And my desire is they forget about me and they realize every good thing, every good characteristic, every good quality that I will ever have is because I've been watching him. Hallelujah. And if they could forget about me and fall in love with God, I will be the happiest father that ever lived. Hallelujah. Find him because he's perfect. He's the perfect father. He's the perfect one to walk with you. And so this message is what I learned from my heavenly father. And David is just gushing here. Those who hate him run for your life. (laughs) He will blow you away like smoke. Ever seen smoke just blown away in the air? It says you will melt in front of him like in a fire. Let the wicked perish in the presence of God, but let the godly rejoice. Let them be glad in God's presence. Let them be filled with joy. Sing praises to God and to his name. Sing loud praises to him who rides on the clouds. His name is the Lord. He wants you to know the name of his father. And can you see David dancing foolishly, dancing without any uh, caring about who's watching? He's a king. What, What king has ever behaved this way? You know, I mean, what king in the Bible can you think of that danced so ridiculously and so foolishly that his wife was embarrassed because of the way he behaved because he loved his father that much? And that's so unusual for a king. I don't know if you understand how unusual David is in his behavior here. 
and his desire to build a house for the Lord. How many know most of these kings in the Bible are arrogant, conceited, they are wicked? But here's David, I mean, just like a child. He loves his father so much. And this is the one, this is what I really like. My father is a father to the fatherless. My father is a defender of widows. How'd you like as a dad for somebody to say this about you? My dad is a father to the fatherless. My dad is a defender of widows. My father, this is God. His dwelling is holy. God places the lonely in families and he sets prisoners free and he gives them joy. Man, if God, if, if somebody could ever say that about each of us as, as men and, and, uh, man, just the admiration just bounces off of the page of David. And man, I want that. How many want that in your life? Man, I want to admire my father so much that I, that I sound like David here. And so I started just thinking freshly, what have I learned from my father just in the last year? And I want to sing his praises this morning. You say, are you going to sing? No, I probably won't. I'm not very good at it. <laughs> okay. But I am good at singing the praises of God. And I started thinking of all the things that my father has done for me. And I hope you think about it all the time because it'll change the way we worship in God's house. It'll change the heart we have. I want to have a heart like David. Just, man, I'm so proud of my dad. Have I told you his name? He said his name is the Lord. And you could just see how proud he is of his dad. And like I said, I don't ever remember him talking about Jesse. He found God, and that was his father and his heavenly father. We want to honor dads, but we want to really honor God, because if we can be like him, if us as dads can just follow him, watch him, be like him. And so the first thing I put down that God did for me this year is he taught me everything. And if you sit down, and I was reading, in fact, I'm going to get down here because I don't want anybody to fall asleep. And so when I'm down here, I can see who's falling asleep on me. I can see your eyes really clear. But they did a questionnaire. They do this regularly across the country, put them in the papers. They say, what do you love about your dad? And so they start writing some things on there. And it's like, my dad makes me feel safe. My dad teaches me things. My dad, and you can think of all the different things they write down about their dad that are good qualities. My dad makes me laugh. You know, my dad talks to me. He's interested in me. And you see all these different things, and then you start thinking about what has my heavenly father done for me? And sometimes we think, man, nothing because he's distant. And some of you have learned to pray, but you haven't learned how to have a dad yet. You've learned to say, God, help me. You've learned to say, God, I love you. God, I need you for this. I need you for that. But you haven't learned to hear God say, I love you. I love you. You don't have to worry about that. You don't have to be afraid of that. You don't have to have anxiety. You know, you don't have to be mad. You don't have to conduct yourself that way. And I'm telling you, if God wants to be, he said, I will be a father to the fatherless. And we live in a country that doesn't have fathers. And I don't find anywhere where he says, I'll be a mother to the motherless. And you know, I'm honored if there's one thing that I hear today, 
I'm honored that God, his most common way of representing himself is as a father. And you know, there is a certain, in fact, if you look at the statistics, if a father goes to church, you know, the percentage of that family going to church is exceptionally high. If the mother goes to church, it's much lower. And that doesn't mean that the father is more important than the mother, because I will submit this, a mother does more in the home than the father because the father's usually gone. Mother is probably more important in almost every way in the life of a child because of all the nurturing, teaching, and everything they do. But today's Father's Day. And there's something about a father that pulls that whole family together. In fact, if we're going to love like a church is supposed to love and be a family and care about each other and love each other and do things for one another and care for one another and forgive one another and bear one another's burdens. How many know we've got to be pulled together under the umbrella of that Father? And so that's why God comes into all of our lives because when there's a Father in the home, you know, kids usually don't run the streets. You know why? The Father says, you better straighten up. In fact, Paul uses an example. He said, I was like a father to you when I told you to straighten up and I was like a mother to you when I nurtured you but how many know we need fathers to say you don't treat people that way you don't treat your leaders that way I have an expectation of how you're supposed to live your life and fathers say you're going to be on church you're going to be at church you're going to live this way and they watch over those kids and how many know You don't want to mess with a father when you're a kid. You're like, I'll just do what he says because I don't want to mess with the father. And there's a love there where they want what's best for that child. And so God says, I will be that. If you don't have that important person that's going to pull this family together, if you're a mother that doesn't have a dad in the home or a father in the home, God says, I'll be that. I'll be the head over that house. You join with me in that blessing that a father would normally bring. Single mother, come to me. I'll be that because he's not there. And he pulls the family together and says, okay, now my blessing is going to go over that house. If you're a child and you're orphan and you don't have a mom or a dad, God says, you know what? I'll be a father to the fatherless. I'll take that role. But how many know we have to learn to have him as a father? And so the first thing that the Lord taught me in the last year is he taught me everything. You say, well, man, my dad's great because he taught me how to work on a lawnmower, taught me how to work on a car, taught me how to hunt, taught me how to fish, taught me how to do this or how to teach me that. Can I tell you, my father has taught me everything. You say, well, how does he do that? Have you ever known a father that wrote volumes and volumes and volumes and pages and pages and pages of books And said, here, son, everything you're ever going to go through, I put here. And I'm going to send my spirit to help you interpret it. You know, God's done more to teach us than any father has ever done. I have hundreds of examples of moms, dads, brothers, sisters, every circumstance life could ever throw at me. And God says, son, just read it. Read it and I'll help you through everything in life. Can you imagine if a father left that as last will and testament to his son or his daughter? 
And how many of you know God has taught me everything? I'm not just saying that. My Heavenly Father has taught me everything in life. And there's no situation that I haven't been through that God hasn't taught me. And, and then, now let me go to the second thing. I taught two weeks ago on a thing called agape love. And I told you that there's a brotherly love. There's a family kind of love. There's a erotic kind of love. Eros is the Greek word. There are four different words in the Greek for love. And then there's the highest form of love, and it's called agape. And he said, you know this love by the fact that God sent his son and showed this love. And he says he expects us to have the love that's called agape. And I told you, I was learning as I was teaching that. I had no idea that that is the highest level of love, and it's hard to achieve. I thought it was just love. Love your brothers and your sisters. Love those who despitefully use you. Love, pray for those people. I thought it was just love because in our language, how many know it's just love? But I started studying it and I started realizing that God defined what it is. And even in secular documents, it said that is the New Testament kind of love that only God demonstrates. And he says, my name is that. He said, God is agape. And so in order to achieve it, in order to achieve it, I can't be selfish in any way. And I gave you the example, if I had a girlfriend and I wanted to have sex before marriage or fornicate before marriage, if I say I love that girl and I do that, that is no longer agape love because I was selfish I did something that was going to destroy her life, wreck her life, send her to hell because I'm selfish. So it's no longer agape. It becomes what the Greek calls eros or maybe at very best um, phileo, which is brotherly love or family love. But it's not agape anymore. And I told you that if there's any kind of selfishness found in it, he said, let me give you an example When I sent my son, I had agape. I had nothing to gain by sending my son. I lost my only son. He left heaven, you know, lowered himself. Everything in him that was God, he laid aside to come to to live on this earth and die for us. And he says he demonstrated his love, the father and the son. He showed what agape love is, zero selfishness. They're saying God had zero selfishness. Jesus had zero selfishness when he came to the earth. He says, now you treat your brothers and sisters with the same love. We say, okay, we're doing it. This year I learned that I wasn't doing it very often. Little bit of selfishness, it lowers to the lower level of love. How many know that? Let me give you an example. Somebody in the church is in need. I have agape love. I want to help that person, right? But I also want to get a little recognition. It's no longer agape. Because I became selfish. Uh, I got to be nice, kind, bear the burdens of my brothers and sisters. So agape love drives me to be like God. I have nothing to gain. I'm helping that brother, helping that sister. That's agape love. But... 
I kind of do it because I want a reputation as being a good Christian. It's lowered to the next level now. Does everybody understand that this year I learned that there is an agape love that's hard to achieve? If I want to be like my father and I want to love like my father, boy, it's hard to achieve. But I want to strive. How many know it's a great thing to strive after? To love people, love your brothers, love your strangers, love the people in the neighborhood, love people the way God loves us with no selfishness whatsoever. What does that look like? What does it look like to go to work and love people without anything to gain? Like I'm just going to pour myself out to strangers, pour myself out to people at work, pour myself out to people at church. And you say, Chad, there's, there's no way you can do that. And you're right. Because the Bible says it's only through the Holy Spirit that you can love like God loves. And how many know if you want to be a great father, try to agape love your family first. You can agape love your wife. You say, well, wait a minute. I have to actually love my wife and not expect anything in return. Yeah, and it's hard. But you know what? If you do it, guess what she's more apt to do? If she's reading the same book that my father gave me, it's not just a book. It's what he gave me as his son. If she's trying to live it out in her life, she'll love you without anything selfish to receive. And boy, is that a marriage that's from heaven right there. And if you love your children with an agape love, guess what your children are more likely to do to you? Love you. And so God has given us, that's one thing that he taught me. My father, things that my father have taught me. The second one. And I'm just, (laughs) I'm just going through a short list here. It's not going to be a long message, but how to conduct my life. The Lord has taught me this year how to conduct my life. How many have had fathers do that? You know, you're in church and then all of a sudden you feel pinch you. How many have ever had that happen? Dad says, hey, straighten up. Don't do this. Don't do that. My father has taught me how to conduct myself. Something happens in life, a circumstance, a situation, whatever it is. My father has been there all year telling me, you don't behave that way. You don't handle it this way. But Lord, it makes sense for me to do it this way. In my mind, that seems right. You don't do that. We don't do that. The word of God doesn't allow you to do that. How many know this year God has taught me how to conduct myself in every situation? You say, wow, There's some good quality that this person, that person has. If we have good qualities, it's because we have a good dad that has taught us how to live our lives and conduct ourselves. So God has taught me in every area of life, here's how we live life. How many think that's a good father? Man, we need God in our life. Number three, God has taught me how to have goals in life. Goals in life. I'm just going to take this with me so I have to come back up here. God demonstrated what goals in life should look like when he sent his son. His son did not come to this earth to make a fortune in the stock market. Jesus didn't come for that. Jesus did not come on this earth to have a reputation of this or that. Jesus came to this earth to seek and save the lost. 
And he said, if you'll do the same thing, I'll add everything in your life that your heart desires. And so God gave me goals in life. You know why I don't get upset that much when I don't have money? Because that's not my goal in life. You know why I don't get that upset when people don't look at me the way I think they should look at me, don't compliment me the way they should compliment me, don't love me the way I think they should love me, don't respect me the way I think they should respect me, because that's not my goal in life. My goal in life is to please my Father. And so God taught me, don't worry about everybody else. Just please me and you'll be happy. How many can do that? How many can just say, God, as long as you're happy, I'm happy. Because can I tell you something? There are going to be people that are going to slander you, going to say negative things about you. They're not going to like you. They're not going to like the way you do things. They're not going to like any of that. And you can sit in your life and have anxiety and worry about it. Or you can just say, God... It's me and you. I'm here to please you. That's good enough for me. Hallelujah. God has taught me how to have faith. Faith is that the, um, faith is that God is the one who decides the truth, not me, not the world. The Bible is the final settled question answered. And so everything in life, you know what God has taught me to do? Go to the word and see what the truth is. And my faith says, whatever he says is true, that's what true, that's what's true. I used to lean on my own understanding because I was so smart. I mean, how many have been that smart? Man, I could figure it out. I'm smart. I got wisdom. I've got all these things. Well, your smartness is leading to your anxiety, your worries, your fears. To me, the ultimate resolution to any issue is I go to the word. And I go into the Lord in prayer and the Lord says, hey, hey, Lord, let me give you an example. Man, I'm mad the way they treat me at work. I think I need to get back at them. I think I need to go after somebody. I think I need to speak my mind. I think I need to act in a certain way. You know what God says? It's all right. It's all right. But God, it's not all right. <laughs> My family member treated me this way. My family member says this about me. My family member does this. How many know the word of God is the ultimate arbiter of truth? And God has taught me this year that the Bible is true and that my mind will only lead me down a bad path. Trust God. Trust God in everything. What things? All things. Trust God. Hallelujah. So faith. Patience. God has taught me how to stay calm. Remember, this is just this year. You don't want to see the length of the sermon if I say the lifetime of knowing God, how much he's taught me. This is just this year. All the things that our Father has taught us, and you'd have your own list. He's taught me how to be quiet, tame my tongue, and not say a word. But God, you know what they did? Okay, son. It's okay. In fact, you know, the worst situations I've had in the past year, God says, I'll take care of it. When's the last time God has taken care of a serious problem for you? This is why David was so excited about his dad. (laughs) Because he learned to have patience. 
He learned to trust God. He learned to, you know, love people the way God loved people. He learned to have faith, you know. He learned all these things from his father as well. And so God wants to teach us patience. And uh, how can we know patience if we don't know God? It's a fruit of the Spirit, you know. Steadfastness. How many have seen all the scriptures in the Bible that says God is steadfast? And you say, never heard of that word, Pastor. We don't use that every day, do we? I don't walk into a room and say, you've been very steadfast in your work. But it's the word steady. God is steady. God is consistently the same through everything. Now listen to this. I've learned to endure challenging people, challenging situations, knowing that God will sanctify me through trials. This year, He taught me that. I think He's been teaching me for a lot of years. But how many, when you're going through a trial and going through a different circumstance, difficult people, how many have learned, how many have learned how to just be steadfast? Steady. Like, God, you're doing something through this. Or how many just would rather throw things and get mad and yell and cuss and get angry? I mean, you know, our Father is always teaching us. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm going to amen myself. Persecution. God has taught me to embrace Suffering for his sake and for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I mean, oh, Jesus said, I was persecuted, so you will too. So you might say, well, who do you think you are, Chad, being persecuted and thinking you're like Christ? You will too. You go to work and try to be a Christian, try to live for Christ, and try to see if it won't happen to you. You're going to get some sideways looks. Some people are going to look at you funny. Some people are going to, if you're doing it right, In fact, uh, I think it was Spurgeon that said, um, if you're a Christian uh, on Sunday only, nobody will say a word, but if you do it seven days a week, you will be persecuted. So try it seven days a week, being a Christian. And so God has taught me that I will be persecuted because he was persecuted, and he taught me to do it with joy because it's for his name's sake. Hallelujah. Isn't that a great thing to learn? To not just do it and say, oh, woe is me. Look how rough it is for me. But to do it with joy and know that I'm, I'm in the, you know, I'm doing what God has called me to do. And man, I'm so happy when I go through persecution. It's crazy, isn't it? And here's the last one. I told you this is the shortest message I've ever preached. Hallelujah. Not quite the same as persecution, but Suffering. Remember it says that Moses, rather than accept the uh, palace of Egypt, uh, suffered for the uh, Lord's sake through faith? How many know that there are going to be painful circumstances in life? In fact, the economy has gone south, right? Things have gotten difficult for a lot of people. And as a father, one of the things you learn is, whatever has to be done, I'll do it. Whatever I need to do to make the budget work, whatever I need to do to make life work, whatever I need to do to serve my family, whatever I need to do to serve at work, um, God has taught me to welcome 
painful circumstances and endure them joyfully. Let me know you're going to be put in a lot of different circumstances as we struggle right now with our economy. And every day you're going to have to... There's things that I've went through that God hemmed me in and said, Chad, it's going to be like this for a lot of years. And a lot of times we don't handle that well as Christians. But how many know my father has taught me that it's okay? It's okay to go to work and have to work extra hours. It's okay to have to change life in a very uncomfortable way. Just do it. It's okay. Suffering is fine. There's no wrong, nothing wrong with suffering. But how many know a lot of us haven't learned from our father how to suffer something painful and have joy? Amen? So these are the things. Stand to your feet this morning. These are the things my father has taught me. Worship team. And I just want to encourage you today. As we go to the Lord in prayer. In fact, Paul put it this way. Keep a close watch, Timothy, on your life and on your teaching. Persist in this, and by doing this, you will save both yourself and your hearing, your hearers. How many know that it matters how we live our life? We're getting down to the last days. And you say, well, what are we here for? We're here to be people that live real lives, and we live real, true, we're, we're true followers of Jesus Christ. I mean, you know, sometimes people just want to hear a message and go home, but God's calling us to live this life every day. Our children are watching, our families are watching. And uh, man, if I could just halfway be what my father is, <laughs> hallelujah, it's a challenge to me. And, and men, a lot of you are respected because you see your father and you try to imitate him. And every good characteristic that we're going to ever have is us imitating our father. Hallelujah. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we love you and we thank you for this day, Lord. I pray that you bless our fellowship, bless our fathers, bless the men in here, Lord. Uh, Lord, that we would just be obedient and pleasing to you, Lord. That we would um, follow you, know you, uh, hear your voice, Lord. We need to hear you say, I love you. We need to hear you say that you don't have to worry, you don't have to fear, you don't have to have anxiety, you don't have to be um, mad. But Lord, you just tell us to rest. Tell us to love you, be crazy about you, follow you, and learn from you, Lord. Your yoke is easy. We thank you for that, Lord. In your name we pray. And I just want to give you a few moments this morning. We're going to go out and eat burgers here in a few minutes. And some of us might even be bold enough to slide down a uh, water slide. We're just going to enjoy each other's company. Hallelujah. Fellowship. So let's give a few minutes just to worship our Heavenly Father, how great He is. Hallelujah. If you need prayer, you've never given your heart to the Lord, you don't know this Father, you need to know Him today. could be your last day to know Him. And if you need prayer for anything, we want to pray for you this morning. Hallelujah.
Uh, we're going to go to the Lord in prayer, and we're going to pray for the bless the food and the fellowship. And uh, also, if you would, uh, we pray for our brother Mike this morning, Mike Harris. Let's just pray for him this morning. Ask that God blesses him and, and uh, keeps his hand upon him. And, and uh, Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you this morning, and uh, Lord, we just pray for... Uh, Brother Mike, and uh, Lord, I just pray that your spirit would be upon him. Lord, fill him with your joy, your peace, your strength. Lord, we love him. Oh, we know how much you love him, Lord. Bless him, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Bless the family, Lord. And Lord, we pray that you would uh, bless our time together, Lord fellowship, Lord, the relationships, the food, bless it all, Lord God. Uh, We do it in honor of you, Lord, our Father. We thank you, Lord. pray these things in your name, Lord Jesus.